Enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Winter has finally come. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and with me are Monica and Stacy. On this episode, we're going to discuss the season finale of Game of Thrones Season 7. I want to warn you in advance, this episode will contain spoilers, so you have been warned. But before we get into our main topic, let's go around the mics and let's hear what's been going on with everyone. Around the mics. Let's start with Monica. What's been going on? Not much since we last talked uh, last week, but uh, Long Beach Comic Con is coming up this weekend, so I will be attending this weekend. Um, by this time, our audience uh, has listened is tuning in. Uh, I hopefully will have some really great pictures to share and some great content to share for for everybody. Awesome. awesome. You're, and you're yeah. going to be there the whole just uh, Saturday and Sunday? Right. And I'm hosting the, um, along with uh, my photographer friend, uh, Katie York, I'll be hosting the uh, Wonder Woman meetup as well as the Star Trek meetup. William Shatner is scheduled to be there. What? So we reached out, yeah, we uh, reached out to Long Beach Comic Con to see if he would come out to the um, shoot. It's a long shot, but, you know. Who knows? We're, yeah. Yeah, who knows? You never know. So, uh, yeah, I'll be hosting those two along with Katie York and uh, Katie B Photography. And, uh, yeah, we plan to – I'll be pressed for Temple of Geek. So I plan to be live streaming and doing a lot of uh, photos this weekend. Representing. Absolute. That's awesome. Yeah, excited. And, and and now you have access to Twitter, so look for her on both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I'll be um, doing the Insta stories on Instagram and uh, as well as tweeting out stuff. And Dave will be there with us as well. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, what about you, uh, Stacy? What's been going on? Well, I uh, I mean, I've been playing a lot of games, but um, so in terms of Temple of Geek stuff, that's, that's pretty much it. So, I mean, I can tell you about that. Uh, I've been playing Pyre. Uh, in fact, I played a game the other day, which I think, I think is kind of an underrepresented genre. Uh, the live um, live motion video genre. Are y'all familiar with this? Full Not video. at all. Okay, so basically, it's a it's a movie like Night Trap. It's yes, but way better. I mean, <laughs> it's not. Well, I say better. I mean, at least there were a bunch of co-eds in, in underwear in that particular game. But it was the worst ever in the history. Uh, I mean, it was so bad. And I know that you own it. And maybe you even own the uh, the newest. Isn't, isn't there like a, a anniversary edition or something like that that's yeah, recently? I just, yeah, I, I own a multiple copies of it. <laughs> I mean, it was. it's obviously has a place in video game history. Um but this particular, it's called uh, Night Shift or Late Shift. Late Shift, I, I apologize. It's called Late Shift. It's on Xbox Live. It's twelve ninety nine, and it's about, I think, I haven't finished it yet, but I think it's about three and a half hours, four hours of gameplay, uh, which is pretty good for a movie. And it's all, it's, it's completely live acted. And the acting and writing is actually pretty good. It's it's I, I the only thing I can equate it to is uh, or the best thing that I can equate it to is Dragon's Lair. If you've ever played Dragon's Lair, yes. 
Okay, so when you get to a choice, it's right or left. It's not, there's nothing else. It's like you either choose right or left, and if you choose right, something happens. If you choose left, obviously something else happens. And I think there's seven different endings to the movie or to the game. And I played it with my wife, and it's actually been a lot of fun. It's it's like watching a movie, but you get to you're you're there's just so much more agency. There's so much more of you involved in what's going on, and so it's been a lot of fun. It's it's the first game like that I played since Dragon's Lair, and uh, and no movies are out right now, so that's pretty much all I've done. The only and I one more thing that's happening, and I am so sad that I'm not going to get to go is Dragon Con. Dragon right. Con is literally tomorrow. Actually, it's today and tomorrow and Sunday. And I didn't get to go to it, and I'm totally depressed about it. So, and if you're following along on the hashtags, like on Instagram and Twitter, the pictures are amazing. Dragon Con looks like an exciting time right now. No, oh, it'd be great. I wish I could go. And next year, next year, I'm definitely planning on going. So, this weekend is really big for conventions. Totally, uh, there's totally. Fan Expo in Canada, San Francisco Comic Con is huge right now, Long Beach Comic Con here in Southern California. I mean, there's just so much because of the three day weekend that's going on. It's, uh, yeah. it's a big pop culture type weekend. Yeah, we also have San Japan and San Antonio. Nice. Yeah. So, there, there, yeah, there is a lot going on. Yeah, it's yeah, exciting. Yeah. Daniel, what are you doing? Well, uh, I actually, right before we started recording, um, I just finished a movie that uh, I believe it got released on Netflix today. It was called What Happened to Monday? Uh, mm. And it's a movie about a dystopian future uh, where, I guess it's dystopian, but basically where they start doing population control. And you, if you have a brother or sister, they supposedly take your sibling and they do, uh, I was going to call it carbon freeze, but uh, what do you call it? Um Stasis, where you they they freeze you or whatever, and they stasis you until they can figure out how to get the population under control. And I don't want to go too much into the story, but it's the actress that plays uh, the main character. Her name is uh, Numi Rapace. She plays seven different characters in that movie. It's about her and her six identical twin sisters. And she interesting. She plays all seven roles and. I watched like Orphan Black. Yeah, it was it was freaking Now who's the who's there there's a who's the male main character in that? Well, Willem Dafoe is in it. That's who it is. Now, and he's uh, and I know that you just explained this. I heard about this from his in fact it was kind of like a dig, I dig, a digression I guess it was from uh he was explaining Death Note. And he started to go off on a tangent, and he started to talk about his other movie or other series that he had. Mm-hmm. And that actually fascinating. I mean, the fact that, I mean, because Orphan Black is a great series, if you've never seen it, great series to see. But the whole concept of that actually really fascinated me. So it, you watched it, though? Yeah, I just, I mean, I just finished it probably about two hours ago. Um, it was actually pretty interesting. Uh I predicted the ending, so I got. I was like, okay, but you know, it ended up being a pretty good movie. Um, but yeah, I, I totally recommend it. Um, it doesn't look like it's getting too much praise yet, but I think that's just because it just came out. Um, but yeah, definitely give it a watch. Uh, that that woman that plays those those seven roles. I mean, she. It was like watching seven different characters interacting with each other. It was really interesting. 
that's a real testament to her acting then. Yeah. I right. Mean, it, yeah. it was pretty awesome. I, I hope she gets noticed because that was, that was amazing. Hopefully it's one of those things that catch on because of word of mouth and things like that. The other thing I started doing this week was after I got done watching the season finale of Game of Thrones, uh, I decided I needed more Game of Thrones in my life. So I started listening to the Game of Thrones book one audiobook. And it's really, nice. it's really cool going back because you're like, hey, I know what's going to happen there. Or, wow, this makes more <laughs> sense. Or, whoa, that wasn't in the TV show because I've never read the books before. Um, but I will tell you, I feel I feel really weird listening to the the more sensual scenes <laughs> in the book. Having someone read it to you. <laughs> because I have this old guy reading to me about a 13-year-old, you know, getting ready to have sex with uh, Dothraki, a 33-year-old Dothraki. And it just, it, I felt very weird listening to those words coming out of this guy's mouth, reading it to me. Um, right, because Daenerys is supposed to be so young in it. Yeah, all the kids are young. I mean, John's 14, uh, Sansa's 11, uh, they're just all super young and knowing what's getting ready to happen to all these characters. I'm like, wow. <laughs> right. Well, and not only that, like, um, I mean, just in the actual HBO one, these kids like, you know, Maisie Williams and all these characters, they were actually children when they started playing it. Jon Snow, when he goes to, um, you know, to begin his watch at um, Castle Black, he's supposed to be 16 or something like that. Mm hmm. So, I mean, they're they're really, really very young. Yeah, and one thing I did notice is, like, you know, in the book, Sansa's 11, in the show, she was 13. So, they it, it looks like they aged them up a couple years, I guess, not to right, make, to it, not so make it so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it, it is weird listening to the book now and just, going, just hearing all this stuff. So, I, I don't feel comfortable listening to that. But I'm past that part now. So, <laughs> let's see what else well, happens. Um, from what I understand, um, a lot of the Game of Thrones is based on um, the War of the Roses that happened in, you know, European royal families mm -hmm. however long ago. I want to say the 18th century, but don't quote me on that. And um, a lot of their kings and a lot of what happens is they were all children when they, you know, you know, when they're when the king died and, you know, the youngest child and whatever they were all children and a lot of you know kids were betrothed from birth you know so it was very common back then and game of thrones is loosely based on uh the war of the roses so i guess that's just how they did it back then still doesn't make it feel comfortable nowadays <laughs> right yeah it does make it it does in context it's definitely harder so uh i guess we'll go ahead and transition to our main topic now safe to say we've all seen the season finale of season seven of game of thrones this oh my goodness yes oh my goodness um let's just go ahead and get into it what are what are y'all's thoughts on the episodes um I'll, I'll let this be a free-for-all whoever wants to start monica you can go first um i just i can't even it was so <laughs> intense and it was so wonderful and I could not get over the episode. The last 10 minutes were, you know, I really thought that it was going to end with Daenerys and Jon on the boat. And then when all of a sudden you see Sansa and um, 
Arya talking. I was like, wait, more is happening. What's going on? You know, and all of a sudden you see the White Walkers approaching the wall, that whole last scene where they're like coming towards the wall and you see the Syrian like flying out. My heart stopped. Like my heart just stopped. I literally had to hold my breath that whole time. And I was mesmerized. I was enchanted. It was, it was an amazing episode. For me, um, I actually, I completely concur. I, I guess I'm, I'm, a, I'm of the mindset that there's a, there are a lot of people out there that are very, they're hypercritical of this season in particular of Game of Thrones. And I understand why they rush through a lot of the material. There's a lot of stuff that got left out. And in fact, had there already been a book about this season, I can't imagine the flame wars that'd be going on right now of the people who are trying to pick apart the season versus what's going on in the book that hasn't even been released yet. Right. That said, um, I feel like if you're if you're a fan of Game of Thrones and if you've been here this long and you've seen the first six seasons or whatever, it's not like you need a refresher. You know, it's not like I need somebody to step in. At this point, it's you know, this is no soap opera. You need to have watched the first few seasons to know what's going on. Uh, you can't just jump into it at this point and have any kind of emotional jumping off point or any kind of reference. So when I watched this particular, I actually liked the last two episodes more than a lot of the critics did. I loved the idea and and getting to see, even though... I had a couple issues with uh, with Gendry having to run back through the snow. What's the time <laughs> frame? You know, how long does it take right. him to get back to the you know to the castle? Um, that said, with this episode, I felt like they did a, a a fantastic job of of laying the groundwork of all these characters that get an opportunity to exposition with one another. You know, you had the Hound and Brienne, and you had Gendry finally, you know, getting to talk or not Gendry, I'm sorry, uh, Podrick getting to talk uh, and, and, and just all of these characters that hadn't spoken to these each other reunions. in years. Yeah, these these reunions that hadn't happened in years and, and tying up loose ends and, and seeing the Hound and Brienne was my one of my favorite scenes just right? because <laughs> just because you get to see how far the Hound has come. Uh, and and to see that he you know he's he's learned character so much development. He, yes and it's like this arc that he's had it's like I mean I swear to God I mean well we'll get to that later on but he's definitely at the top of my list for characters the Hound is fantastic and with Brienne I mean she's always been who she is and I think that she she didn't disappoint in this episode. And so, like, as you're watching everything, I felt like this particular episode was one of the best episodes of any Game of Thrones episodes. Um, I felt that they delivered on pretty much every one of the story notes that they needed to in a way that I felt was meaningful. And, yeah, there's always going to be detractors and people who, who didn't feel like this was exactly what it should have been. Yes, it could have been two hours long, and I don't think it would have been long enough. Right. But, you know, but I still feel like they hit the high notes and didn't leave out too much to the point that you actually got 
the message that that the that you know Benioff and Weiss wanted to to deliver. So I feel like it was really, I feel like it was a great episode, one of the best that they've ever had, and a great finale for a season. I can't wait for more. I love that you brought up the reunions because that was something that was really great for me. I loved that Euron um, and Theon, like you know met and then you finally see the dragon queen and cersei and you know you you see like the hound in the mountain the hound and and brianne uh uh brianne and jamie and there's um you know even the fact that Tyrion and braun and podrick are having like this like moment in the episode all of it was so great and so satisfying yeah i i love that part Oh yeah, though that that's the best. All of the all the reunions for sure are the best. Uh, even I, I think you said Brienne and Jamie, uh, which was yeah. very short. Um, I like the side looks because you get a lot of side looks from right. Tyr- Tyrion, <laughs> Tyrion and Cersei. You get uh, um, you get Euron and and uh, oh, oh what'd you say? Yeah. Oh goodness, Theon. I'm sorry. Yeah, Theon and Euron. It's <laughs> it's easy really to get all these right. names. I mean, if you're if you're trying to keep track of the books, it's impossible because there's so many more names. I mean, right. we, we're not even going to get into the fact that there's a fake Aegon in the book. So, you know, if you're just spoiling things or just trying, you know, we've already let the disclaimer out. So there, there's Jon Snow and then there's a fake one in the actual book. So. I haven't read the books, and so as far as I know, all I know is HBO, and HBO is doing a phenomenal job, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't know what those I critics are talking about. It, because I, if this I ruined it, awesome. I'm sorry. No, you're not ruining it. I'm just saying that HBO is doing a phenomenal job, in my opinion. I agree, I agree. I don't know who can criticize at least the last two episodes because they were epic. I mean, that whole, you know, star kids ganging up on Lord Baelish. Good Lord. Oh my goodness. That was incredible. Yeah. This whole season I thought has been pretty amazing. I mean, you know, I understand the last, I guess you could say the last six seasons have been basically character development, you know, introducing new characters, getting those characters off the show, constantly going through the rounds with all these people. This season, we didn't have to do any of that. We have the established cast who's obviously all made it to season eight and every episode has been action packed, uh, intense storytelling. I just, I've enjoyed every episode this season. Um, I, I don't know where the critics are coming off saying these last two episodes were not as good as the rest of the series. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat and yes, uh, this, the Stark sisters going after Littlefinger, probably one of my favorite moments of the show. I, I couldn't, not believe he finally died i was so excited i was so stressed out like i was like i can't believe you sansa john is out there doing stuff and you're gonna mess up the north while he's gone and i was so stressed like i believed it i was like oh this is what game of thrones does to me you know it makes me fall in love with like a certain character and then ruins it for me you know kills them off or whatever and so it was so great to see sansa not get ruined and for her and Arya to, and Bran, because obviously Bran was, you know, had so much to do with it as well, that, you know, they just all teamed up and they, like, saved the North, you know, again. And I just, oh, it well, was so much. So much of this uh, whole series has had Sansa at the mercy of other people. You know, it's like yes. she's been one of the characters that has had 
maybe the worst go at all. Oh, uh, you know, when it when she went into this entire thing naive. If you She's if you so remember back in the, the first episode, yeah, but in the first she wanted to be a princess. That was and she thing. was that's, thirteen. Mommy, that's, why Aria, girl, that's why Aria. That's why Aria hated her. Right. You know, Make I mean, it, it, marry Joffrey. Be objective. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. If you're being objective, though, I mean, and I'm not a I'm not a thirteen year old girl. But if you if you are a thirteen year old girl and you're like I want to be a princess and then you go and you're you're not only is your life ruined, but like the worst possible prince you could have possibly been betrothed to, but then the next Which over is the being next sold to Ramsey and then, then being you're, forced yeah to over win the next Tyrion, over the next like, however many years you're married to Tyrion. And then Ramsey and, and, and the things that took place between now and then. And then you get to the point where you might actually be in control and you're not completely bitter. And everything ends up working out well. One of the things that I think is important to note in this particular in that particular scene was there was a scene cut out of the show. And I actually got to uh, I was doing a little bit of research and, and I watched another um, YouTuber that actually has the inside track and. They talked about the actor who plays Bran actually described in, 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 in an interview about how there was a scene that was cut out of that whole that whole right between him and Sansa, section. right? Yes, about how they actually started to talk about what had happened. Now, there was no exposition. It wasn't like you got to see a full exposition. And I don't know why they cut this scene out, because to, to me, honestly... I think it would go a long way to see Sansa right after talking to Littlefinger in that in that uh, part of the episode where she's like trying to connect the dots between Arya and her. What does Arya really want? And obviously Littlefinger's trying to uh, play her one way and uh, get her to think something else. She goes and sees her brother and and wants to get some answers and 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 so she knocks on Bran's door and goes in. You don't see what actually happens, so you don't get to really hear what happens. And then then they cut to this interview. So it's like you don't know if if he if you're not just trying to figure things out. Now, obviously, we are in that culture nowadays where I mean we're doing a podcast right right now of predicting, thinking, talking about the future, talking about our favorites or whatever. But so many podcasts nowadays and so many so many critics are about trying to figure out what's going to happen next and, and being critical before they can appreciate the art, appreciate what's oh. going on, you know? You're not actually getting to you, you, nobody's fooled anymore, you know? Nobody's tricked, nobody's allowing themselves to be caught up in the moment. And that's what I love about this show, though, is that, like, and that's what what I was so upset about um, spoilers the last time we talked, is that, like, I like to be enchanted. I like to be on the edge of my seat. And I like to be, like, I like to have, you know, the story told to me. I don't want it ruined by, like, finding out, like, all these things. And I wasn't always this way. I didn't always think this way. But now that I appreciate (laughs) it as an art, like, BuzzFeed ruined like the dragons for me because they they showed um they did an article about like you know what the dragons actually look like and what daenerys actually looks like you know when they're filming and you know you see the green screen and everything i'm like no 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 like the dragons are my favorite part i didn't need to see that and i would have avoided the episode but the thumbnail 
was like the actual picture of Daenerys on a green screen dragon. And I'm just like, great. See, and that's wrong. They should know better than that. That's bad business for them to do that. Yeah. It was uh, it was a little disheartening because I like to be enchanted, and in my like little world, Daenerys flies around on dragons all day. Well, and that's how it should be. And honest to God, I mean, to to me, that's how it should be. And this was one of those instances where I just felt like um, keeping, you know, less is more, and all that. So anyway, that that's all I was trying to get at with with my description. So were we? And what about you, Daniel? Well, I have a you know, kind of a question here. Were we all excited about the incestual scene that we saw at the end of the episode? <laughs> That's a loaded <laughs> question. I was excited about the incest. <laughs> I was excited about the fact that, you know, it makes so much sense that like John and Daenerys be together. Um, it makes so much sense that like, you know, just seeing them, like, what they've been through, what they've struggled through. They both want the same things, the admiration and the respect they have for one another. And, like, that was what was appealing and not so much, like, the EU incest part. But if you look at it, like, historically, like, um, in European, uh, you know, monarchies and and stuff like that you know they did very often marry their cousins or their relatives they were related to the kings and queens and germany and france and spains and the royal families now are even very connected because you know back back when you know before they used to want to keep the bloodlines pure and so incest was very common and also um diseases and uh, all kinds of Things like that, like that, you know, uh, from inbreeding, um, would kill a lot of these kings and a lot of these monarchs and, and things like that. But it was very common back then. And I think, you know, uh, the story that they're telling here is just kind of the same thing. If I'm, I heard a rumor, I haven't actually read the books, but I heard that in the books, the reason that Daenerys's, uh, hair is silver and in the books, I guess her eyes are purple is because of the inbreeding. And uh, her, even, like, her mother and father were brother and sister. So I don't think to Daenerys it would be weird finding out that Jon Snow is her nephew. She's like, so? But <laughs> she's like, yeah, and I was going to marry my brother. <laughs> like, You're my nephew, so? But, uh, yeah, so I'm not excited about the incest thing, but definitely excited about these two characters who are, in my opinion, perfectly suited for one another finally getting together. What, what, what about you? Was was that a triumphant a good, moment for you, Stacey? It, it's such a loaded question. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely... Uh, I'd have to agree. In context, if you're talking about a culture and a society, and let's put it all in reference... The incestual yes. thing was just a joke. I mean, I was actually just... No, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yes, everybody's excited because, you know, we joked about it earlier off you know, off the record about how at the beginning of the season, the, the Twitter moment where everybody was disgusted by incest and now everybody's really excited by incest. Right. It's Jamie and of, Cersei were like so gross, yeah, but Cersei, John and Daenerys are like, all right. <laughs> John and, yeah, exactly. His nephew and aunt, eh, better than brother and sister. I mean, now it's, we're splitting hairs, but at the same time, um, in terms of of like royalty and history, I mean, this is kind of how things happened. In you know when 
monarchies were the thing and and um and so i guess if you put it into context and and maybe that's what you know the author george r r martin was going for um that was part of it but if you can separate that i think that everybody was excited that finally uh john snow and daenerys were were um finally getting together because that was what everything seemed to be pushing towards and if you could get past the incest which is a relatively huge hurdle to get over uh then yeah i mean i think everybody was i was excited i was i was that was something that was really good i i was for lack of a no for the exact term i was excited i was happy it was i was looking forward to it. i was glad that it happened I just wish they weren't related. That would be awesome. See, my, but my, it's interesting that you said it's a hurdle because, like, now finding out that John is actually the um, true heir to the Iron Throne, like, what is that going to do to their relationship? Like, I don't think it's going to ruin it, but I think it's it's definitely going to make things awkward coming into season eight. Well, For kind of, sure. And that's kind of what I was getting ready to say. I mean, it's like I, I wasn't too excited about them because, you know, when good things happen on the show, that means bad things are getting ready to follow. Right. <laughs> I hate that. So, they always do that. So seeing these two finally get some sort of happiness in their life, I'm like, ooh, this isn't going to bode well. You know, and then, you know, which kind of leads me to my next thing. Why was freaking Tyrion creeping outside the door? I was thinking maybe it was because he was like, uh, these two people shouldn't be doing this because it's going to take them away from what they really need to be concentrating on. But I have a feeling it has something more to do with maybe Tyrion actually is jealous of Jon. Um, well, I rewatched the episode. I've watched it like five times already. And uh, I've asked only myself. Five the first, times? Only five times. So, like, the first time I watched it, I was, like, the same thing, like, damn, Tyrion, like, what are you doing over there, creeper, weirdo, like, you know, and I just kept thinking, like, maybe he was in love with Daenerys, right? But um, now that I've rewatched it, I think it has to do more with Cersei and the complications that it's going to um, bring up. Like, Lord Baelish said, you know, it makes sense that both of them together would be hard to defeat. Cersei's already pissed off that he bent the knee. So, like, I feel like he's looking at it like he's trying to restore something with his sister, something with his family. He still cares about them, despite what sociopaths they are, things so, like that. So you're thinking he so may have betrayed I, Daenerys? No, I'm thinking it's a political thing. I think he thinks that him, John and Daenerys getting together is going to complicate matters. I think that he thinks, like like the hand of the queen like you know he's thinking like what's the best move and could there be like another king and this maybe wasn't the time for them to get together you know he obviously has a lot of respect for Jon Snow he says it a million times I just think that it's more political I think he's just worried that this is a wrong time and it's going to complicate things with Cersei and it's going to you know maybe cause a battle that's going to lose them the war against the White Walkers so that's just my opinion. I could see that. And and I think that's probably much closer. Uh, but I have this, I just have this deep, dark, sneaky suspicion that he made a deal. And I, I think that's what they want us to think. And that's why I don't, that's the only thing that I don't like about this season is that I feel like they've been trying to play our emotions because there is no book to go off of instead of just writing and letting it happen. Um, I've heard this criticism on other podcasts and in uh, 
just other descriptions of the season from watching uh, videos and, and other such. And, and I, I kind of agree in a certain way because we don't have any, um, we don't have any written context for a lot of this. So we can't fill in the blanks. We don't know. And so like, even with, um, even with the, the little finger twist, I feel like it could have been done better, but I, I was okay with that. I was okay with that, uh, the way that it handled. In fact, I was like, I actually thought they might be trying to murder Arya. I was like, are they going to kill her? I mean, is he, is she really going to do that? And I was really she, stressed out. I thought they were. I was stressed. Yeah, absolutely. I was stressed out. And I like that because just like you, I was enchanted by the whole thing. It's like I, I, I dove in head first and I wasn't trying to figure it out. I wasn't trying to see, so how are they going to get out of this? Because as far as I knew, at this point in the in the show, everybody's on the table. Anybody could die. Like, I, I thought at some point, Tyrion and Jamie both were going to die. Yeah, I was like, everybody's going right. to die in this episode. And especially like, because, kill like, everybody. she has, you know, the mountain with her. The so mountain, red-eyed. Like, bullshit ass he's gonna kill everybody <laughs> uh, I was like this is getting really really intense I was this episode was really stressful but it was also really satisfying and I was just at the edge of my seat the whole time let's, well, let's talk about the end then you're talking about the, the, the coming down of the wall let's just talk about the wall coming down Oh my god, the atomic fire breath like Godzilla oh Godzilla's god. okay. fire breath okay the first question I have to ask was it ice or was it just super hot plasma fire? Because ice it was more radiation. ice. <laughs> yeah. To me, ice hitting more ice would cause more ice. <laughs> I like to think of it as magic flame. Magic yeah, flame. I think so. Magic flame sounds like a good one for me. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, I, honestly, because you got blue flame, which is one of the, I think that's the hottest of the flame, right? Yes. Um, and oh, so sure. you've got blue flame, and so yeah, exactly. We're all chemists here. Uh, so blue flame. <laughs> At least I know that off flame, of a lighter. <laughs> right. So like your your blue flame would be the hottest of the of the lighters that you could buy. Um, I like to think of it as a it's all enchanted, so that you've got a dragon that you brought back to life. It's not going to blow flames. It's going to blow. If it has fire, it's not going to be what would be considered like our normal fire. It's going to be some kind of enchanted fire or or enchanted flame, and it's blue and her, uh, you know, it's Viserion, right? That's the dragon right, that died. Viserion. So Viserion <laughs> has blue eyes. They all have blue eyes. They've got blue weapons. The dragon has blue flames, and the and it's not fire. It's like whatever the magic that that the Night King has. That's right. what this dragon is able, and it's the, it's really the only way, the only practical way that they can get past the wall, you know. So that I think that at this point they could have gotten past the wall regardless. Um, it would have just taken maybe climbing Much the five hundred foot yeah. wall. Yeah. It so you've be, got, but now hurdle. you've got a you got a dragon that can that has this magic flame that can take the wall down and so i really think that it's a moot point at this point whether they could get past it or not and why they can get past it i think that there's enough evidence to suggest and if you read the book they're probably going to give a much more specific reason why yeah it's probably going to say something in the book specifically like and blue flame came from its mouth 
<laughs> right. Enchanted blue flame, the only type of flame possible to <laughs> bring down the magic from the wall. Right, yeah. I to was render so stressed the... out though. And like when when he came out, I was like, no, he's taking down the wall. I I was not thinking he was gonna take down the wall. I thought he was gonna like fly over it and then like maybe breathe fire on the people there and they were gonna get through the gate. But when I saw the wall come down, I was like, No, no, like this can't we knew the wall was coming down, though. It had to come did down. We, did we? Well, we, I did hey, we've that. heard that, but I, I just didn't... I did not know that it was going to be for real. Like, I didn't know it was going to actually happen. I mean, I ne- he, yeah, had, I didn't he has over that. a million freaking troops on his side. How is he going to get them over the wall that fast? So we, at least, least 100,000. Like Is your math right? Yeah. Oh, come on. Da, 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 so five times. He never said 100. There's like a million people on King's Landing. I mean, after he murders all of Helen Reed's people and the Car Starks and everyone else, then maybe 120,000. <laughs> okay, he has 15 people on his side. How were you expecting him to get those <laughs> over the wall? You know, the wall was coming down. Uh, that part, I, I guess, what freaked me more about that scene was seeing the Night King on the dragon. Because I started thinking to myself, is he a Targaryen? Right. I think that the rules change when you raise something from the dead. So, yeah, so I I uh, didn't even think about that. It didn't cross my mind. So online, no, but that's s- a good question. That I think that's what happened though. The rules change. That's why I mean if 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 the Golden Company comes, which they're coming, and the Night King ends up raising a bunch of elephants and the only people that can ride it were Golden Company people. I think he could ride. He can do whatever he wants to whatever he raises from the dead. Oh, the people from Essos, right? That Euron yeah. was going to get. Oh, yep, that's yeah. who he's they bringing. Kind of throw that out there, but if Theon know. doesn't get to him first, see, and that's a good. I I think what I think there's a well. Anyway, say what you're going to say because I have a theory about that as well. Well, the last thing I was going to say about the wall coming down was online. There was a picture posted of the the troop movement of the. The, the undead and it looks like right. they formed the stark direwolf sigil yes what are your thoughts on that i you know i thought it was for cinematic purposes like i see what everybody sees i've seen the pictures i watched the episode over and over to look for it i see it i get it i'm not gonna read too much into it um because they everybody's don't do talking very about many how things trans on accident though they don't do many things on accident. Yeah, but I just, I can't understand, like, the Night King being like, by the way, when you're marching, march in this form. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, he didn't have to tell him. It was just, it's just, it's magic. It, okay, okay, fair. Um, I don't know. Uh, I just thought it was more like a cinematic, pleasing to the audience, like, look how cool that looks type thing. Um, more than like having real significance, but at the same time, there's no throwaway lines on Game of Thrones. Like everything comes back for a reason. Or so. could it mean that this is the first family we're going to attack? Well, there's theories out there that say that that the war won't come below Winterfell. Oh, really? Yeah, that Winterfell will be where it stops, but there will be consequences at the other castles, like. King's Landing will feel it, and everything else will feel it. And with Jamie leaving, one of my favorite spo- scenes. Spoiler alert! Yeah, with Jamie leaving, um, 
there's obviously going to be a, a major void left in King's Landing and and with Cersei. So even if she's right, there, there's she's, nobody to check her. Well, there's there's I think that that's a major part of her. She was empty. She's an empty vessel. She's a soulless, soul-stealing succubus from which there's no return. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that is who she is. However, yeah. she did have some feeling, some minor, way off in the distance, light years away, for Jamie. So, and honestly, the only people she ever cared about was her children. That's all. That's true. I mean, that is true. That's true. I mean, and Jamie, in typical male fashion would have done anything for her at that point as he did with Bran, you know? And I think that that's going to come to pass. I think he's going to have to pay for that sin in some way or another. I think he has paid for it. I mean, all his children are dead. This war has started. Like, I, I think, think he's Jamie paid, has paid for it a in lot. a way that she has never paid. You know, I, I don't know if she could, could pay for it because she's just she, not built that way. I have... There's, like, hope that, like, you know, the only thing... Because, you know, they keep bringing up Daenerys and how, you know, she can't have children. She can't have children. And why do they keep bringing that up? Nothing on Game of Thrones is, like, a throwaway thing. They bring it up for a reason. They brought Who's it up gonna to succeed? let you know that John and her were getting ready to make Whoopi on the boat. <laughs> well, I'm but thinking... because John's like, you can't get pregnant? Let's test this out. Yeah, hold my beer. Prove it! <laughs> exactly. Hold my dragon glass. Right. Um, <laughs> Challenge accepted. Well played. Challenge yes. accepted, exactly. No, so I think, well, I don't think, but I hope that what's going to happen with Cersei being pregnant, and then now John and Daenerys doing it, that, that she's going to get pregnant, and maybe their offsprings are going to marry and unite the Seven Kingdoms, and that's how they bring about peace. That's my hope, and that, you know, this is, like, this is the beginning of peace where, like, the Lannisters finally settled their debts to, like, you know, everybody else because, you know, she gets to have her kid, you know, rule the Westeros like she's always wanted. And, uh, you know, Daenerys and Jon are happy because basically their kid would rule as well. I think the only way that Cersei's going to pay her debt is by her dying. Somebody's got to kill her because she can't just live. But at the same time, like, she is so damn smart. She is on borrowed time. <laughs> she is borrowed so smart. Time. And yes, she's alienating everybody because of this coldness about her, but she is really smart and she's going to end up alone regardless. But I think she may survive just because she's so fucking clever. So she may not be happy, but she'll be, but she'll survive. Well, that's why that's why she did what she did. I mean, that's why she stopped her armies from going north. She's a survivor. She's cunning, and um, <laughs> I think this is the thing that Jamie gets the least amount of respect for. And and one of the things we'll get to in our last segment, I'm sure. But he is he is about honor. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there. It's the one thing that I think that he gets the least amount of respect for. And one of the reasons why he's one of my favorite characters is he killed the Mad King for a reason, for a selfless reason. Not because he thought that his dad was going to go in there and, you know, and, and, and assume the throne or he could have taken the throne for himself. He did it because 
the Mad King was about to use wildfire on the entire population and burn everybody. So right, he, he did it to save everybody. He's, he did it to save everybody. Jamie is not a bad guy. Jamie is pompous, and he's a little bit over overzealous and, and a little bit overconfident, but he's got honor, and that's one thing about him that he's always had. It's because he was a great warrior, and he is a good sword, or was a good sword fighter. And it's 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 why in the first book, in the first season, that I was I really loved the uh, part of the book and the part of the scene where Jamie and Ned are about to go toe to toe. And I'm like, Ned, and Ned even says it, and it's one of my favorite lines in the season. If if you haven't seen it, then you need to go back and watch the first season where he says, you know, I don't I don't play. Basically, is what Ned says, is that I don't play sword fight. Like, I only draw my sword to kill people. I don't right, do right. it just to, just for but us to play around here. With right. Jamie, it's so hard because, like, I mean, he pushed Bran out the window, and I know he did it for love, and he says the things I do for love as he pushes Bran out the window, a child, you know? So, like, his, his honor is also misguided because all this time he's known Cersei was in the wrong, but he still is like a sheep following the wolf, like just doing whatever like she says. Like, you know, he's he's almost like stupid for her is the only way I can picture it. Like he yeah. knows better, but he's like an idiot for her. So like there's a lot of good to Jamie, but there's also a lot of bad. I mean, he like pushed a child out the window. It's a, it's a, it's definitely a, a relationship that is, um, toxic, <laughs> a toxic relationship for sure. And it goes both ways. There, there are those where the woman is the toxic, you know, the toxic partner and the man, the man is the toxic partner. In this instance, Cersei is obviously the toxic partner and Jamie is being abused. There's no doubt she's manipulating him. I saw a meme on twitter i think it was where um they're like you know they show a picture of him at one of the premieres in a suit looking really good and smiling and they're like you know that feeling when you finally leave a toxic relationship and you're glowing and like tons of like you know twitter you know tweets and stuff about like you know great job jamie finally leaving your abusive relationship <laughs> after seven seasons and like you know stuff like that I mean, this episode has been uh, a goldmine for memes and tweets. Oh, for sure. Well, I need to take a moment right here to talk about our sponsor, Audible.com. Audible is giving you, the listeners of Temple of Geek podcast, a free month to try out their service. By heading to audibletrial.com forward slash podcast, you can sign up for a month on us. That gives you the chance to download one of their many audiobook options like Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, narrated by Roy DeTrice. You can head over to audibletrial.com forward slash podcast to grab that title or any of the other thousands of titles that they have on their site. Support this show by starting a trial today. Again, that address is audibletrial.com forward slash podcast. Season eight is going to be coming out when? No telling. I don't know. It's all rumors. I heard 2018. I heard 2019. 2019. Yeah. Don't stress me out with that. 
This is this is As the reason right why now, I've I'm gone gonna... back and started watching. I'm going to start watching the show again. I'm going to read, get all through all of what what books are out. Six books right now, I'm, or five books. So I'm going to get through all five books. Yeah. <laughs> if I have, well, I don't and, know what I'm going to do with my life. Their after newest show book is, is supposed to come out either at the end of this year or uh, next year. So if he gets it finished in time. Well, who knows if it's finished at this point? So, so from yeah. what I have- and he has no timeline as far as finishing. He just told HBO, like, these are the main things. Make sure we end up the same thing. It's going to be two different tellings of the same story. And he has no timeline as far as, like, when he's actually going to finish the books. Yeah, we'll just kill him twice if he dies before it's over with. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there was a one rumor that I was looking at that the final episode of the season was going to be a two and a half hour movie. Did y'all hear about that? No, but I would love that. That'd be fine. I mean, I, I, honest to God, cannot get enough of an episode because the way this has been done, there, I mean, if, if, side note, if you've seen the reviews of the Inhumans, um, that's the way not to do things for an hour, <laughs> for two hours. If you, if you've seen any episode of this show and you were to put them back to back and have two hours of that, that's, fan fucking tastic i mean it is the best it's great it's it's well done it's well written it's well shot it's it's just good television it's the kind of stuff that you would want to binge you what know you? it's we're binge culture now you know didn't they release anything one on hbo is like that um in the theater uh yeah well you're talking about this one you're talking about this finale right no i think they released wasn't there was a I, I can't remember what season finale this is. The the Battle of the Wall. Wasn't that released in the theater, like in, on one of the big screens or whatever? I, I think so, but not wide release, though. So <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not familiar with that one because I would have gone to see it in the theaters. Usually, like, Doctor Who um, will do, like, a premiere release, like, um, in theaters and stuff like that. And I'll go to those. I try to keep up on, like, you know, events like that. Uh, and I haven't seen anything for Game of Thrones. So it must not have been, like, a big thing. Because I'd have been there. If that movie theater thing is, or if the final movie is true, do you think it would make sense for them to put the final movie in a theater? And make money off that uh, final season? Oh, they're going to make money off of it. People are going to watch it at home. People are going to watch it on the movie. People are going to like download it illegally. I mean, they're going to make money off <laughs> it. She's like, I'm already going to download them from all three things. <laughs> I got this. I already watched this one like five times. Imagine how many times I'll watch the actual last episode. I actually don't want to go back and watch it again right now. I want to. I want to wait. Um, I'm gonna. I, yeah, I think I'm gonna start the series over again and just kind of work my way back up through that episode because I want. I want to. I want to see if I can catch things that I may have missed. Um, I had a friend of mine just binge it recently and I was telling him that it's kind of not the same because I feel like I've been emotionally invested in these characters for seven years and watching it. Yeah. Binge watching it kind of like, isn't the same because like, you're not waiting, you're not anticipating. You didn't wait a year. You didn't wait like eight months in between every season. You didn't sit here and ponder and wonder you got to see it like right the next episode, you know? Um, so sometimes I think like binge watching doesn't have the same effect as like just, you know, watching it live, I guess. 
Now, I, I know this season finally gave us a lot of confirmation on a lot of things. Like, we finally know Jon Snow's true name. Um, we finally know that he is the rightful ruler of the throne. Um, but do you feel that they kind of force-fed all that to us? Like, they were like, hey, audience, you're not smart enough to know this. Here, we're going to give it to you. Um, and the reason why I say that is because during the trial of Littlefinger, they basically just kind of outlined everything out saying, this is what you've done, this is what you've done, and basically just kind of told the audience, hey, he's the reason why this whole thing started. And then towards the end, you have Bran and um, Sam talking um, about Jon Snow and basically just outlining what we already knew, but just basically putting words to it saying, hey, Jon Snow is the rightful ruler of of the Seven Kingdoms. Do y'all feel that they maybe kind of spoon-fed that to the audience or... Do you think that was just kind of perfectly done? I think it was perfectly done only because, I mean, we've been guessing at it for seven seasons. They've, you know, last season they, you know, they show uh, Leanna Stark, you know, in the tower. You can't really hear what she tells Ned Stark about, you know, Jon Snow. So, I mean, it was a whole season before we found out that, well, we confirmed what we already thought. And as far as like why Lord Baelish, why they had that whole explanation, one, it was a trial. And two, like, I mean, it is a recap. I mean, there's so much happened in Game of Thrones. I mean, when we started the, the, the series, Ned Stark was the main character. And then for a while it was Rob Stark. And like the characters have changed and so much has happened in these seasons. It's hard to keep up with names, let alone plot lines. So I think it was a nice recap having um, them, you know, remind us that Littlefinger was a bad dude. (laughs) He was not good. And he did like start this. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yeah, because if he didn't kill John Aaron, none of this would have probably taken place. Right. And not only that, like, um, because Sansa talks about, like, you know, uh, you know, when she repeats what he taught her, he's like, what are the possible motives that he's doing all this? Which was he wanted to rule from the beginning. Yeah. but like, he's Well, he said it. He said it. He saw that. himself sitting on, the, on iron the Iron Throne. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think it was I think it was poetic the way that they did it. I don't think that it was force fed. I think it was just kind of like a nice. I think it was closure, and for me at least, it was, it was good. It was poetic. It was done, in my opinion, the way it should have been done. A Stark needed needed to do it. Arya doing it was as poetic as anything. I mean, Sansa doing it would have been forced because she's never really murdered anybody. But her right. laying the sentence, even though the Starks, the way they work is. If you lay the sentence, you're the one that's supposed to use it. You know, you're the supposed to, you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to perform it. Right. You're the executioner. Yeah, you're the executioner as well. Um, I feel like it was in character for her to not even get a chance. Uh, Aria was already over there cutting his head off. So. And I think that was a sister thing too. Was like Arya was almost saving her from that, but also at you know when they have that conversation afterwards, she's like, "Hey, but you laid down the sentence. It wasn't just me, you know." But I think as a sister, she was just trying to save her from having to be the executioner herself. Well, let's not forget that Sansa does not have a problem pulling the trigger. Rest in peace, Ramses. 
Oh, <laughs> no, don't point. rest in peace. Yeah. I hope he has no peace that he will We hope he suffers. So I hope he suffers in the she, afterlife. She laid the sentence and executed, so... She, she does Good not point. Have, she does, is capable. She doesn't have a problem doing it if she needs to. But the character development with Sansa, I mean, like, everybody else is out for themselves, and here she is, Lady of Winterfell, and she's just worried about the people. Do we have enough food? Are the soldiers, like, you know, armor lined in leather so that they're warm in the winter? Like, I mean, she's just thinking and thinking about the people, where all the other, like, you know people in the realm are thinking about themselves trying to just like get people to bend the knee but Sam's I think that she she's people. thinking about surviving and I think that's that's important uh, a lot of the other ones are just yeah you're right it's warm where they are it's not a big deal you don't have to worry about the elements you don't have to worry about a lot of other things most places you don't have to worry about dragons <laughs> right uh, so so you don't have to worry about that stuff. But yeah, Sansa's definitely interested in things that truly matter. I'm right. glad that she finally got to the point where you're where. And I think that it, they did it really well in this episode. And I know that we've kind of harped on this and we've been on this for a while now. But I really do feel like they did a good job of selling the fact that she may actually doubt her sister's allegiance. And I truly think that they did a good enough job. That when Littlefinger comes in to talk to her, that's the moment that she decides that he is full of garbage. Right. That that uh that when he tries to because I think other than that, they're all on the same page. That in fact, I think this is exactly how Littlefinger goes about doing things. He's like, What's the worst they could possibly be thinking? And then work your way back from there. Well, she knows for a fact. The last thing in the entire world is Arya does not want to be Lady of Winterfell. Right. She doesn't want to be Lady of anything. She is. She's a warrior. She wants to be a fighter. I don't think she's going to marry Gendry. I don't think she's going to do any of these things. I don't think. I mean, there's all these theories out there. She doesn't want to do any of those things. She wants to be a knight. She, she wants to be. She wants to be Brienne, and right. she could be every bit of Brienne if she wanted to be um, and so I don't think that that's even a possibility and once she heard that she was like okay he's lying I need to go check a reference <laughs> let me go talk to the three eyed raven you know the let Google me go talk guy. to the, the Google guy the encyclopedia and find out exactly what's going on and actually reference something so I think that's what was the that raised the flag because other than that it, none of the rest of it makes sense um and I never really thought twice about it until I heard other people like question it. And I was like, well, I guess I can see what you're saying. But the more I thought about it and the more I saw people start to paint the picture, I was like, no, this makes sense. This makes sense with the characters. Right. I this agree. should happen. Yeah. How many of the brand kids do you think are going to survive by the end of this, the next season? Or I said brand kids. I meant to say start kids. I had brand brand. <laughs> Are was, you already killing Brand off? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, I was thinking brand.com for my for my web search needs. <laughs> <laughs> but how many of the Stark kids do you think will survive uh, by the end of this uh, season eight? I don't want to think about it because I want all the Stark kids to survive. Like they've they've suffered enough. Like just let leave the Starks alone. They're good people. That's right. Well, see, I have a feeling Bran will become a tree. Shut up. 
similar to the first three-eyed raven he keeps hanging out with that tree i'm like he's gonna become part of that damn tree isn't he um i i think sansa will survive i'm sure Arya will survive i'm not too sure Jon snow will make it I have a feeling he's going to be performing this ultimate sacrifice to save the North, or basically. I save thought Westeros. about that, and I also think that if you go the other way, where Daenerys actually sacrifices herself. But if I she, mean, she can't have kids, so you well, know. My thought is, if she's barren children, then she'll probably survive. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, if she doesn't bear children, this, it wouldn't be the worst. Now I know, I know we're not we're not making necessarily like our final. Uh, assumptions of what's going to happen and we haven't done our you know we haven't done our favorite and least favorite characters but honestly i think there's a there's a good possibility and and i haven't read a whole lot that supports this but i wouldn't be surprised if the white walkers might signify climate change might end up killing everything and everybody or at least the majority of of the characters. Why are you breaking my heart? So, so what you're saying <laughs> is, is that this entire show has been an episode of the inconvenient truth. Yes. Al Gore. <laughs> like it was for interve- nothing. He, he, he invented the internet. No, <laughs> you're killing me right now. I can't hear this stuff. I suffer enough. <laughs> this show. What are you doing to me? You heard it here. First, I'm just folks. saying, I'm just saying, I think that there's a good chance that the, Night King kills everyone, and that the purpose is to reset man. Well, see, I heard that theory, but I heard it spun a different way that that it was more like Noah's Ark, meaning that the world has become so corrupt that the White Walkers must cleanse the the, yes. the world of the evil and corruption to start anew. But I don't think they're a- gonna, I don't think they're going to go that dark on the show because they're. You know, you have these long time. That would be that would be the ultimate. I'm going to tell you what. Like, if you now now let's just let's just let's let's rewind. Let's take a step back with me, children. Let's go back about seven years or six years when I read um, the third book in the series, and it was well after the fact that it had come out, but it had come out nonetheless. And I, everybody else had read the hard copy of it because it had already come out. And this is about 2009, 2010, uh, well before any of this material had come out, well before the Red Wedding. So I'm reading it, and this is the Red Wedding book, okay? So I get to the point where the Red Wedding actually happens. And I read it, and I'm like, okay, wait, there's no way this just happened. There's Wait, there's no way this just happened. Oh, Holy, sh- no way. I took the book and I threw it against the wall <laughs> and I left it there. I left it there for two weeks. I was in grad school. It sat on the floor against the wall for two weeks. I did not read it. That's the impact that this, it's the first book that ever made me think, fuck you book. And I threw it against the book. Or I threw it against the wall. I was like, that's so funny that you said that because uh, the episode where Cersei is winning in this season, yeah. I can't remember which episode it is, but it looks like, you know, Daenerys is screwed and Jon is screwed because, you know, they take uh, Lady, oh, what's her name? Uh, from L- Lady Olena? 
Olena, yeah, and they take the woman from Dorne and everything, and I'm like, oh, man, Cersei's winning. How can they ever come back? And I remember telling my boyfriend, like, no. Like, I'm never watching this stupid show again. Like, I hate exactly. it so bad. Exactly. And I was so upset. And, like, the next episode, like, fixed it, and everything was fine again. But, yes. like, well, the books, the books are not so good. The books don't work this way. The books are, are much more... I guess they're just vicious. Vicious is probably the best way I can put it. They're just vicious and heartless in the way that they will snuff out a character that you thought was the most developed, safe. That's the thing about it. I mean, like Ned, Ned Stark. Everybody thought Ned Stark was going to be the hero. He died in the first book. I I want to say it was um, Entertainment Weekly. Um, I'm not sure, but I, but I remember that right after um, Game of Thrones ended the first season, they were like, uh, and I'm almost positive it was Entertainment Weekly, and I got it, and it said HBO did what? And it was right after they had killed Ned Stark. And that was like the cover of the Entertainment Weekly. And they're like, how do you spend this much money promoting Sean Bean as like the main character in this and that? And then you kill him? Like, it was so unheard of. And you had shows on HBO like... um, He's still the biggest actor that's been on that show. He's probably the biggest actor before that's been on the show but a lot of those actors that's on the show now have become pretty big actors yeah i guess so but i mean he was the biggest actor i mean mm. many of these actors are only big actors because they've been on this show. correct correct right, right. like but, nina uh cersei um she was in movies she was in the 300 movie she you know right. they, they all had their roles or whatever but sean bean definitely was you know the big the you know the star power but really, seeing Sean Bean in the, the show, you know, knowing that he was going to be in the show, did y'all really think it was going to be uh, a happy ending for him? I mean, he's died and everything else I he's been in. No, I didn't read the book. I had no idea. I, mean, I started the show blind. I had no I idea what game was. I didn't read. Like, I watched the first season when it came out. I did not read the book before it, the first season came out. And so when I saw it, I was completely shocked. Like, that threw me for a complete loop. I was like, there's no way. This is the the episode before the last episode. It's not even the last episode, you know? So it's like, oh, shit, he died. And there's more? Like, this continues? What else can you do to me? I thought it would end (laughs) when he dies, you know? I have been watching this show. I'm sorry. Um, I have been watching this show with my brother, and he had already read um, a few of the books, and he, and he was really great about not spoiling anything for me. So when we watched that episode together, I jumped off the couch, and I was like, no, what? Wait. And I was so distraught. And he just looked at me, and he's like, and I was like, how are you so calm? And he's like, oh, I read the book. I already know this was going to happen. And I'm like, and you're okay with this? <laughs> he's like, I, I, I had time to prepare. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I went into this blind. <laughs> But I think that's what makes this such a great show. It does. It really does. It's a, it is a fantastic show. Well, let's let's go ahead and transition to some of our favorite characters from this season, or I guess from the whole sh- 
whole series. I mean, Stacey, you want to start off? What are some of your least are your favorites and your least favorite characters? Yeah, you only. Uh, I could just do my favorite if y'all want to. We want to just go around and talk about that. Um, uh, my favorite characters. If you want to start from the beginning, and we're just let's just to make it easy, let's make it from the the television show. That should be because there's so many characters from the book that aren't in the show that that you might really like that were developed but didn't really get their fair shake in the in the series. Prob- I really like Jon Snow, but he's not one of my favorite characters. He's not even in the top five. Um, probably my two favorite characters in the entire series to this point um, were number one, uh, in no particular order. Rob Stark is one of my favorite characters. Rob Stark um, was pure. He was he was. He was Jon Snow before there was Jon Snow. Uh, he was Jon Snow in the book, but he made a fatal f- mistake. He made a fatal mistake where he crossed family lines and decided to go against the political norms and go with his heart. And because of that, he paid for it with his life in the Red Wedding. And I hated that because... Had that not happened, and had he not gone to do what he ended up doing, they would have wiped out the Lannisters on that side of the continent, and 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 things would be completely different. But there's no way that could be the case. He was an honorable man. He was he was Ned Stark before John figured out what he wanted to do. You know, because John was a punk at the wall. You know, he didn't. He was a brat. He was still trying to figure out who he wanted to be, and in the books, he was the same way. He was a brat trying to figure out. Rob just seemed to get it, you know, and so he was one of my favorite characters. But my favorite character out of all the characters in the entire series of books is the Hound. The Hound is my favorite character. Um, I feel like his character arc has been the most complicated, has been the maybe the one of the most relatable uh of all the character arcs and so um out of all the characters it's the hound where who you had somebody who had a deep passionate hate in general hated everything hated people but had principles like from the very beginning even with joffrey he wouldn't just kill people for the sake of killing people and then when he traveled with Arya for about a book and a half and he's not, he's killing people, but you see it in the very last season, this last season of the show where he has to go back to a house with Beric Dondarrion and this house where he actually more or less just took their things because he knew there was nothing they could do about it. And they were going to die anyway because they really weren't. And they did, they did die. But he could have helped them, you know? I mean, who knows if they would have died anyway. But he didn't help them, and they ended up dying. And so the guilt that he felt, and I feel like he's trying to pay for his sins. You know, it's like, here's a man who's he's still telling Lannisters to fuck off. You know, right. at the, you know and that was fantastic. But at the same time, he's also got honor. He's got respect. He's got 
there is a there's a there's a um, I guess a code that he lives by. And you can tell by his actions what that is. So it's not like you're going to get murdered for no reason with the hound. You know why you not got like murdered. His brother. Right. His his brother will kill you for spite. But the hound has has morals and has reasons and has, has, has purpose. And so because of that, I feel like he's come full circle and easily is probably my... The fact that he came back and he's had any kind of impact at this point in the season... Or is still alive in the whole series delights me. He's my favorite character by by far. George R. R. Martin probably will kill him off in the next book for you. I you probably you're probably right. First season, first <laughs> first page. First, yeah, first page. He's dead. Hound is dead. Clickane, or however you say his name, Clickane. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Monica? Um, God, I have a lot of, I think if we're talking about the series as a whole, I've always been really interested in anything that had to do with Tyrion and Daenerys and having them together, um, was really satisfying for me. Um, Tyrion was always just one of my favorite characters on the show. Daenerys too, I was always like wanting to see more of what was going on with her and the just directly, uh, just rocking plan and um i just uh those were always kind of as the series goes some of my favorite john snow became a big favorite of mine um in the last couple seasons because of his character development um but if we're talking about this season tormund and braun have been like two of my favorite and i was so stressed out at you know, when the wall came down, because I'm like, where's Tormund? Is he not going to see Brienne again? Like, what's happening? Like, I was, I was like, no, he can't die. Ah, you and, do know her. <laughs> yeah, right? And um, so, I, I always love comedy, and I like the comic relief in shows, especially for, like, such a dramatic show and such a stressful show like Game of Thrones. Um, so, which is why... Tyrion appealed to me so much in the earlier parts of the season, but this season he's so much more serious because he actually has a purpose and he's serving something. So my comic relief is coming from like Braun and from, you know, all these like side characters and uh, Tormund and Braun are probably my favorite this season. Uh, but overall, um, I would have to say Tyrion and Daenerys are definitely my favorites. And a lot of it is because they just want to do good. They just want to make the world a better place. Tyrion tried to do that with Joffrey. He tried to be a good hand. And, uh, you know, he always loved his sister's kids. And he even tried to love Cersei. And he tries to understand her. And he has so much empathy. And uh, that's something that really appeals to me about Tyrion. And what about you, Daniel? Well, if I had to choose out of all the characters, I'm going to you know take the safe route and say Jon Snow. He's he's been my favorite since the very first episode. I never thought of him as a punk as Stacey has. Um, I just you know I, I thought of him as a as a you know the kid had a hard life. He was a bastard. His mom didn't love him. You know his his uh, whatever you call her stepmom or whatever. She didn't love him. She didn't like him. She didn't want to have anything to do with him. And then you know he goes out to the the wall. And basically the brothers didn't love him. They didn't care about him. You know I mean he just had a hard life. And right. so, yeah, he may have came off like a punk, but I knew he wasn't a punk. He was just trying to prove his worth that, yes, he's a bastard, but he's worth something, you know? Um, and I, I appreciated that story from him. But a close second, I think, would be Tyrion, Jamie, 
uh, Arya, Sansa. <laughs> That's the whole cast. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't. It's really hard to pick a favorite character because everybody does something on that show that you just appreciate and you love and you enjoy. Um, you know, you're talking about Bronn throwing out the comic relief and the jokes and and Tormund. You know, I, I love that. Um, Arya, her skills and her freaking how she's grown into this freaking little tiny stealth assassin is all, amazing. You know, um, every character is awesome. Uh, Jamie, I was freaking. This episode, I was like, please don't die. Please don't die. Please don't die. When she gave the command to kill him, I'm like, he's really going to freaking die. And then he walks out of there and he goes out. And I'm like, oh, thank God. You know, he finally woke up and he got away from this person. So, you know, I don't know. I'm just every character. Every character has their own little special place in my heart. I I, I like them all. That's a good point. But that's (laughs) cheating. But Jon Snow is probably my favorite. I, you know, I really, after the show's all over with, I really want to see him sitting on the Iron Throne. I know that's probably not going to happen, but I would at least like to see the Stark family reunite before he dies. Yeah, completely. It would be nice. yeah. yeah, I agree. Before somebody dies. Because the Stark kids, no Stark died this season, thank goodness. But, you know, that's no Benjen. guarantee. Benjen died. Oh yeah, Ben Uncle Ben. Do do we know he died? I mean, we oh, assume he, he did. He he's dead. <laughs> he's not coming he's back dead. from that one. Well, he was he was about seventy five percent dead to begin with. Right, right. Oh, Uncle Benjamin. Okay. A Stark so, did I mean, die. Stark kids, at least for the most part, survived, and they've been through so much. So, um, I I don't think it's safe to assume that next season they'll survive. I think. So I think some of the Stark kids are going to go next season. Well, according to Stacy, the entire cast is gone. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, they'll uh, go in order. I just don't think they'll be the last ones to go. No, I do think they will, actually. I take that back. They will be the last ones to go. Everyone's dying. Everyone dies. <laughs> How do you guys feel about Viserion, though? The dragon? I mean, sorry, not Viserion. I'm sorry. I said Viserion. I mean, Ver- uh is it Varys? Oh my god, I can't remember his name. I don't know. Is he, you're talking about the spider? You're talking about the merman? Yes. The spider in the garden. <laughs> yes. Yes. Lord Varys, right? Varys, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I said Viserion, I meant Varys. Um, how do you guys feel about him? Because he's kind of like your Lord Baelish, where he just, you know, he's been working his little web for a very, very long time. He's been working his web, but I don't think he has any intentions of, like Littlefinger did, wanting to sit on the throne. He, he, I, th- I think he truly wants to, to serve somebody. And I think, he, I think that whole, what was it, in the second episode of the season when him and Daenerys were like, basically just going at it with each other, you know. You know right. why shouldn't I kill you? I, I think he proved his um, not really proved himself, but I, th- I think we 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 understand him. You know he he wants to serve her and he wants to he wants to basically be there to what's the word I'm looking for to counsel her and guide her. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a snake in the grass. I don't know. What do you think, Stacy? Yeah, I'm. I'm- I don't think so either. I think that he's actually learned his lesson. And like he said from the beginning, well, I think he said it from the beginning. He's always been for the people. So right. even, if, even if he screws you over, it only was because your decision was not in the best interest of the greater good. I agree so, completely. So if you, if you do that, 
Well, the spider's going <laughs> to, you may get bitten. Otherwise, right. he's on your side. And I think that he's for Daenerys as long as Daenerys is for the people. Which is why he was telling, you know, Tyrion, you need to check her. Yes, because she's about to make a big decision that may make me make my little birdies, you know, say something else. So, right. yeah, I, I, I think he's for the people and he's always been for the people. But apparently, Melisandre said he's going to die. So we'll we'll see how that works. And she is too. So yeah, they're both going to die in Westeros together, holding hands. <laughs> All right, y'all have any final thoughts before we close this episode out? Great episode. I mean, like, just it's one of my favorite episodes of of uh, the show ever, and and I, I think that it's underrated. In terms of, like, I think there's a lot of people that are giving it a bad rap. And I think you should just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it could have been longer. Yeah, they missed some things. But honest, honestly, dragons and magic and fantastic, I don't know. It, it's its just a great show. I'm going to say after this season, um, after watching this season, I think this show has is probably now on the same level as Star Wars is to me. Like I care that much about this show now as I do about Star Wars. That um, says a lot, and that is saying a lot. So, uh, yeah, I need to consume as much as I can over the next however long we have before the next season. Um, I I totally agree with you, with both of you. Um, this this season was my favorite. Um, I've loved this show for for seven years, and. Uh, and I think this season really made it my favorite show. Like, I'm a hardcore Star Wars fan. I'm a hardcore Doctor Who fan. But I have not been moved like this by a television show in a long time. And everything about it was just perfect to me. I don't know what the critics are saying because I only see, like, hearts and flowers when it comes to the great job that they did. Um, I, I don't know. I... I thought the season was incredible so you know that's that's all i can really say about it all right well i think that's going to wrap up this episode of the temple of geek podcast if you have any questions or comments feel free to hit us up on facebook or twitter by using the handle temple of geek do you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows why don't you head over to templategeek.com there you'll find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek thank you for joining us on this episode i've been daniel it's monica Stacy, and we'll see you next time. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.